Hello, friends. Michael Youssef here. Thank you so much for connecting with Leading the Way and listening to this message. The entire team here at Leading the Way is committed to passionately proclaiming the uncompromising truth of God's Word. And it cannot be done without your prayers and your support and your partnership. Learn how God has uniquely positioned leading the way to reach a world that is in desperate need of the gospel when you visit ltw.org. That is ltw.org. Thank you, and may God richly bless you as you seek to serve Him. There can be no doubt in any reasonable person, reasonable person, doesn't have to be a Christian, a reasonable person, that we are in a crisis. Our crisis is not primarily economics or educational, even though we have great crisis in those areas, but primarily is a crisis of moral. It is a crisis of moral crisis that stems from truth deficit disorder. I want to break this present crisis down. Those of you who have read my book, Hope for This Present Crisis, know that I am deeply concerned about this crisis. That's why I wrote the book. And I want to share with you four things about this present crisis that we are facing in America and in the West. First of all, I want to tell you about the nature of this present crisis— And secondly, I want to tell you about the danger of this present crisis. And thirdly, I want to give you the answer, the only answer to this present crisis. And finally, the action that we need to take, every one of us, young or old. Don't sit here and say, well, I'm too young for this. I can't do this. I'm going to give you examples. God can use you at any age. First of all, the nature of our present crisis. Simply put, the present crisis is the disappearance of objective truth, the collapse of biblical influence in the Western world. Oh, there are plenty of religions, plenty of churches, but biblical truth all across America and Europe, Bible-believing, Christ-centered churches are emptying. Unbelief is spreading An entire generation has turned away from God. So many so-called megachurches are into self-worship, wokeism, social justice, critical race theory, gender theory, and all the rest of it. I won't get into it. In short, they are preaching and reflecting the secular gods of money, pleasure, politics, and power. They no longer reflect the God of the Bible. The national result is that we have more addictions than ever, more suicides than ever, more violence than ever, more abortions than ever, fewer marriages than ever, and more empty cradles than ever. The national crisis is a deeper political division and racial division and riotings on the streets. An April 2021 issue of The Atlantic, not known for being an evangelical publication. (laughs) The writer says that, and I quote, as Christianity 
has declined, political division has grown. It's not a Christian writer. And he continues, over the past two decades, church membership in America has dropped from 70% to 50%. The number of atheists and agnostics have grown to a quarter of the population. As Christianity's hold has weakened, ideological fragmentation had arisen. He continues, <laughs> what was once religious belief has now been channeled into political belief. On the left, walk radicals takes the religious notion of original sin. Again, the man is continuing. He's not a Christian. <laughs> On the left, the walk radicals take religious notions of original sin and excommunications, and they use them to secular ends. This, my beloved friend, listen to me, without Christianity in America, conservatives or liberals alike, no longer have common culture. End of quote. The words of the Atlantic seems like uh, writing the obituary for America. My friends, our nation, this nation that I loved before I ever stepped foot in it, our nation, founding principles, which I loved way before I became a citizen, our nation, the greatest experiment in freedom ever in history. Our nation, our beloved nation, is more divided than any time since the Civil War. Why? Because people have made a religion out of an evil political ideology. Listen to me. God designed us to worship Him alone. We were made to believe in Him as the only one true God. And this is the foundational start of the United States of America. The founders understood that if we cease to believe in the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, something else is going to fill that God-shaped void. For many people today, that substitute religion is a radical Marxist political activism. But even radical political division is not the most urgent crisis today. It's not. Political strife is just the symptoms. It's just the symptoms of a much deeper crisis. Our most urgent crisis is spiraling decline of biblical truth and morality. The most urgent crisis is the moral and spiritual hollowing of our society from within. All other social ills that we face, they stem out of the decline of biblical Christianity in America today. The second thing I want to share with you today is the danger of the present crisis. Most Americans assume that our democracy and the way of life will always endure. But throughout history, we know that empires and nations have collapsed again and again and again. Today, Western society shows every sign of approaching collapse. Listen to me. 
the warning signs that have foreshadowed the fall of the Roman Empire have appeared in America today. Let me just give you some examples. Rome fell because of debauchery and moral anarchy. Ethnic and political strife spread across the empire. The military was stretched too far and too thin. The empire became unable to control its borders. (laughs) The corrupt Roman government spent itself into bankruptcy. These perils, my beloved friend, listen to me, between ancient Rome and 21st century America are deeply troubling for any thinking person. And this immigrant to this country will not be silenced. As historian Neil Ferguson of the Hoover Institution warns us, he says, empires in decline seem to outwardly strong for a period of time, and then a quick and abrupt collapse. Many Muslim thinkers believe that when America and Europe fall, Islam is going to rush to fill the void. A Muslim scholar told me some not many years ago, that Islam spread in the Middle East and North Africa by the sword. But Western culture will be handed to us on a platter. He told me, soft and undisciplined Westerners are no match for the soldiers of Islam. The West will fall into our hands like an overripened fruit. Question, is there no hope? Is America doomed to collapse? No, absolutely not. There is hope. Decline is not inevitable. Decline is a choice. But you and I must make wise and godly choices. Our generation is choosing right now whether civilization will rise or fall. My friends, listen to me. It is time to give away fear. It is time to give away silence. It is time for faith. It is time for courage. It is time to stand up and be counted. (laughs) Bible-believing Christians in America need to prepare themselves for persecution. We should expect to be persecuted by the government. You see, when we refuse to compromise our faith, we will be persecuted. We should expect to be persecuted in the social media when we proclaim God, the God of the Bible. We should prepare our children to be persecuted in schools when they start to share the love of Christ with others, when they share their own love for Christ. We should take heed the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And so, if you refuse their effort to silence you, if you refuse their efforts to silence you, listen to me, you can expect persecution. If you are not at odds with the culture, you are at odds with Jesus. Make no mistake about it. So, what is the danger of this present crisis? The future 
of our children and grandchildren. The souls of those who need to hear the true gospel of Jesus Christ repent and believe and be saved. Thirdly, I want to give you some answers to our present crisis. When I was a young pastor at this church, the Church of the Apostles was very small in number many years ago here in Atlanta, Georgia. This church was a tiny group of people meeting. We had a visit from a pastor of a mega church in America, and he sat in the back. And he sat in the back and he heard me preach, and afterward he thought he really wants to help me. I mean, this poor immigrant boy, he just needed help. And he really tried to help me as far as he was concerned. And he said, Michael, your church will never grow if you keep on preaching sermons like the one I heard today. He said, this, quote now, this in-your-face preaching will not build you a great church. Your message needs to be more positive and inviting. It needs to make people feel good about coming back. For a time, I thought about what he said. I reflected. I considered what he said. Our church was small in comparison to his large church that was thriving. And I wondered. For a short period of time, I really wondered, to my shame, if I may not just begin to soft-pedal the message a little bit. See, we preachers know how to do that. Trust me. We know how to do that. Should I soften the edges, the rugged edges of the gospel? And then I heard God audibly say to me, Michael, I did not save your life from certain death, certain death, more than once, so that you can water down my word. Michael, I would rather you reach heaven with a handful of people who were saved through the uncompromised preaching of my gospel than have you entertain tens of thousands of people who will curse you from hell because you compromised my truth. That day, that day many years ago now, I said to the Lord, as long as you give me breath, I will proclaim your uncompromised truth of your word. So, my friend, I'm speaking from experience when I say that we must cling to the truth that Jesus and Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the giver of eternal life. And that men and women, boys and girls, we're all born with sin, in sin, and we desperately need to repent and turn our backs on sin and Satan and receive salvation from the cross of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ Himself said in Matthew 5.13, You are the salt of the earth. And He wasn't talking about just the preachers. He's talking about every one of us. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under feet. Jesus also said in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, listen carefully, 
If you abide in my word, say that with me. You are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Praise God. Please understand, there's a price to be paid for proclaiming God's uncompromised truth. I'm not going to mislead you. There's a price. Oh, but the reward is unspeakable. The nature of the present crisis, the danger of the present crisis, the answer to the present crisis of holding tightly to the uncompromised teaching of the Word of God, and fourthly, finally, the action needed. The action needed. Every one of us can do this. Every one of us. Hear me out, please. God's uncompromised truth has the power in it to transform life. When the Apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God unto salvation. The power is where? Not in the preaching. The power is in the gospel. Until we come to grips with this and understand this, that a life that is transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ can change the world. And just in case there's some here and saying, well, the gospel, it's okay for you to preach the gospel, but what impact does it have on our culture? What impact does it have on society? Listen to me. It is the preaching of the gospel that has changed societies. In the 19th century, it was Bible-believing, soul-winning evangelist preachers like Charles Finney and Theodore Weld who were at the forefront of the movement to abolish slavery. William Wilberforce, member of the British Parliament, for 23 years he lost his friends, he lost his inheritance, he lost his family members. They alienated him. But single-handedly, for 23 years, he, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, transformed his life. He got rid of that horrible institution of slave trade. They changed the world. Around the same time, A Bible-believing woman named Florence Nightingale ministered to the sick in the name of Jesus. And during the Crimean War, she trained other women for the healing art, and she founded the nursing movement, which we know it today. She changed the world. In 1855 in Boston, a Sunday school teacher of a Sunday school class for boys between 15 and 18 years old made the following statement to his class. He said, The world has yet to see what God can do with a man completely surrendered to him. An 18-year-old shoe salesman in that class by the name of Dwight L. Moody jumped up and he said, I will be that man. And he became an evangelist who won countless souls. He changed two continents for Christ. He changed the world. God used him to change the world. If you want to change the world, begin with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where you begin. That's where you start. Tell people to repent of their sins. Don't tell them that God loves you just as you are and live like the devil. They don't have to change. You don't have to be converted. You don't have to repent of your sins. That is a falsehood. And so I'm going to conclude by the most unlikely incident you've ever heard. 
And I want to tell you, after I heard this, I genuinely, genuinely put my head down in shame for my lukewarmness. And when you listen to this conversation, this podcast, between two individuals, not Christians at all, because this answer is going to confirm to you what I'm trying to tell you. It's going to confirm to you that what I'm trying to tell you has even been said by non-Christians. It was April 2021. April 2021. This podcast between a devout Muslim and a secular Jew. A devout Muslim, both Americans, and a secular Jew. They had a long talk about Christianity in America. But what amazed me, one of the men, Hamid Shadi, a journalist and a thinker, he actually works at the Brookings Institution. Hamid Shadi said, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe in Christianity. I don't believe Christianity to be the truth. I'm a Muslim, and I'm quite open about that. Yet I'm longing for more Americans to rediscover Christianity and to be more Christians, even though I don't believe in Christianity myself. The other man is a columnist. You've seen him on television a lot by the name of Jonah Goldberg. He agreed. He said, I'm basically and essentially a secular Jew, and I very much worry about what's going to happen to America. To me, unchurched America is much scarier America. Imagine that. They're not hot-headed evangelicals. They're not conservative right-wing people. A devout Muslim and a secular Jew worry about the decline of Christianity in America. And they agreed in the end that America needs a Christian revival. (laughs) I don't know whether you're seeing this or not, but (laughs) if that is not a wake-up call, I don't know what. We've been rebuked by non-Christians. Beloved, it is time to get serious about our faith. Jesus' very first sermon in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. The kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore what? Repent. Therefore what? Repent. That was the first message of Jesus. And beloved, that's going to be the very last message until he takes me home. 